You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it Money Pit is presented by Abitron Restoration Products, the Angie App, LL Flooring, Schluter, and Riverbend Home. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And welcome to what we hope for you is another beautiful spring day and a great opportunity to take on projects around your home, inside or out. Whether you're sprucing up your kitchen, your bath, your basement, whether you're building out a deck or cleaning a patio, if you've got a project on your to-do list, we'd love to give you a hand with tips and ideas to help you get that job done once, done right, so you can move on to the more relaxing parts of your spring day. Coming up on today's show, the spring real estate market is well underway, and we're seeing more more and more urban dwellers heading to the suburbs to get some more space and maybe a little peace and quiet. And if you're ready to sell your home in the suburbs, we're going to share four easy projects you can do in a single weekend to boost curb appeal and land a buyer quicker than the competition. And if you ever had a major storm hit your house, you know that a home, which is usually safe, sound, secure, and dry, can quickly turn into a leaking mess. That's why when the storm passes, it's important to give it a thorough check. We're going to walk you through it. And also, head rot happens. And when it does, the longer you wait to repair it, well, the faster it gets worse. But there's really no need to put it off because products now exist that can restore the strength to weak rotted wood. We're going to share those details in just a bit. But first, we're here to help you create your best home ever. So whether that's a quick fix or a big project, we can help you save time, money, and hassles. So help yourself first by reaching out to us with your questions. A couple of ways to get in touch. You can call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT, and we'll call you back the next time we produce the show. Or you can post your questions to moneypit.com. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? We've got Jay from Virginia on the line who's got a wiring question. What's going on? Well, I just recently purchased uh, the old family home place, uh, awesome. built in 1950, actually mm-hmm. uh, built by my grandparents. Um, when I say built it, I mean they built it other than the bricks. I'm looking to do some updating. The house is very good structurally. We've recently replaced the old oil furnace with you know modern heat pump and everything. So we're good to go there, but the main part of the house still has the original non-grounded 1950s wiring in it. Okay. Um, there is an addition in the back that was added about 30 years ago, and at that time, uh, 200 amp service was brought in, and I guess a modern circuit breaker. So everything just kind of is subfed from that into okay. the house. So I had an electrical contractor come in uh, last week, look around, and I was thinking all the wiring would just need to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said no. He said if the wiring itself isn't causing you problems, then he would advise to just simply put arc fault circuits in the breaker. Yep. 
um, and maybe split out a couple of uh, circuits if needed, and yep. I should be okay. And I wanted your opinion on that. Yeah, you're dealing with a real professional there. That, that's that's excellent advice. I mean, your your wiring is grounded through the neutral, the 1950s wiring, but doesn't have a separate third ground wire. But what he suggested is a very common application where essentially – if you put the arc fault breaker, which for those that are unfamiliar, a ground fault detects diversion of current to ground source, which is what happens if you're getting a shock. And an arc fault does that, plus it monitors the wiring for overheating and turns it off. So that's a really smart thing to do. And by putting it at the panel, it can be wired in such a way that it covers the entire circuit. So that is a smart thing. It's going to save you some money and make the house a lot safer. Sounds great. So it, once he does that work, if I get that done, uh, then I can go to the outlets. And I have replaced them over the last uh, few months with brand-new two-prong outlets. But could I then replace those with three-prong no. and be safe? No. No? Because you don't have three-prong outlets. You don't have a third wire. So you're always going to have the two-prong outlets. Okay. Okay? Got it. Got it. Sounds great. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much. Penny in Missouri is on the line with a question about a pilot light that just seems to need some fixing. What's going on, Penny? I have a Magic Chef natural gas stove, and my oven won't light. And I think it's the pilot light. I wondered if they could be replaced. Yes, uh, pilot lights can be replaced. In fact, I replaced one on, on my GE range not too long ago. You have to make sure that you purchase the correct pilot light. And, and I found it very helpful that in, in my case, for my particular model, because it was a little tricky, that I just did a little Googling online, and I found uh, a, basically a step-by-step on how to do that that was submitted by one of the commenters on Amazon. And it saved me a lot of trouble because there was a piece that I thought I had to kind of get through to get to the pilot, and it turned out I didn't have to do that at all. So I learned something. I see you guys think that I know it all. I certainly don't. <laughs> I'm very happy to take that to take that advice. So I will say that you can find pilot lights online, and a lot of the services that sell them, uh, when you enter your model number, will make sure it fits. Penny, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Scott in Iowa on the line who needs help with the painting project. Tell us what you're working on. I just recently bought a um, rental house, and the plaster, it's an older home, and the plaster was falling off the house. Well, the guy I bought it from had repaired it, but if you look at it, it's falling out in some areas and falling back in in some areas. And I was just wondering, would I have to re-drywall it, or is there a cheaper and easier way to fix that? How much of this exists? Is there a lot of this that's where it's, the plaster seems to be loose? Throughout the whole house. Yeah. Okay, so it's a problem because it's going to be dangerous. What happens is the plaster, when it's applied, it's applied over something called wood lath, which are like thin strips of wood, kind of look like those sticks we use to hold up garden plants and tomatoes and things like that. And the plaster expands to behind the lath, and it sort of locks in place. But over the years with an old house, those keyways, we call them, loosen up, and then the plaster is not attached to the wall anymore. So you are looking at a situation where the walls are going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And if it's the ceiling that's loose, it could be dangerous because when that plaster falls, it's really, really heavy. I've seen it dent floors and certainly could hurt somebody. So now we have the question is, what's the best way to deal with this? Should I tear the plaster out? Should I drywall over? I've done it both ways. I've come to the conclusion after trying it this way for many years that the best thing to do is to put drywall on top of the plaster, not tear it out for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's less messy. Uh, Secondly, that even when you tear out 
out the lath and the plaster, you'll find that the studs from the old house behind it are not very even. So when you put drywall up, it tends to warp sometimes. So what I would do is I would attach new drywall over the plaster. You can use three-eighths of an inch thick drywall, too. You don't even need to use half-inch drywall. And then by attaching from the drywall through the plaster into the studs, you'll help secure that loose plaster so you won't have any further movement in that room. That would be my recommendation. That works out. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Pat in Louisiana is on the line and needs some help with a cleaning project. What can we do for you? We had our carpet cleaned about a year ago. And in this bedroom, we have a heavy, clear plastic mat that goes underneath the computer chair. Okay. Well, recently, I moved it over a bit, and I noticed that it was wet underneath it. There's no leak okay. in the roof. Water hasn't come in the house. So the only thing that can be is a year ago, the water from the carpet cleaning surface got underneath this mat, and it's been there all this time. Hmm. Okay. So we cut out a large circle, like a five-foot circle, and got all the part out that was wet. So we're going to have to replace the carpet and the pad. But on the concrete, the bare concrete, there are some spots uh, of discoloration. So I don't know if that's mold or mildew. My question is, how do I clean that concrete before we have the new carpet installed? The concrete spots, if, if anything, are mineral salt deposits. It's not mold. Okay. And so it's it's really cosmetic at this point. If you, you can wash it down with a vinegar and water solution, it'll melt the mineral salt deposits away. But the other thing that, that occurs to me is sometimes concrete will draw moisture into a house. And so if anywhere near that area outside, you've got water that ponding or, or collecting, it's possible for the, the concrete to sort of draw that moisture up into the slab and across. And it may not have been able to evaporate where the pad was covering the concrete, which is why that area stayed damp, whereas the other area dried out. So there may be a different explanation as to why that stayed wet. One of the things that you might want to do since you have the carpet pulled all the way back is to paint the concrete. Uh, Paint that area with an epoxy paint that will seal in that concrete and stop some of the evaporation if the moisture is being drawn through it and up into the floor surface. So should we paint the whole room? We don't have all of the carpet up yet. We just cut up the middle part. Well, if you're going to take all the carpet up, then paint the whole floor. Um, if you're only going to take part of it up, then just paint what you can get to. But I would definitely paint the floor. Okay. That'll do it. Pat, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. 
Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Now we've got Ralph in Missouri who's working on a ceiling project. Tell us what's going on. There's two rooms upstairs. And the one, one side I've uh, changed into a bedroom and put a bathroom up there. The other one, I'd like to take the existing ceiling out and put a cathedral ceiling in. I just want to open the room up. The ceilings are kind of low now. Somebody put suspended ceilings in there, which... Um, Made it even lower. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, it's got the old tongue and, or, uh, lab and plaster walls and ceilings and all that. So I guess they didn't want to go to the mess. So what do you do? You just stick up a suspended ceiling. But anyway, I'd like to take um, the existing... Um, ceiling joists out and uh, maybe not use the you know the rafters for the uh for the cathedral ceiling but add add some new rafters to kind of follow the outline of the roof line Mm -hmm. but i just want to make sure that if i pull these joists or ceiling joists out of here that um, the house isn't going to fall down you know what i mean the walls aren't going to bow out and fall out on me. Well, the house may not fall down, but the roof might collapse. That's not any better. You see, look, if you've got a very high-pitched roof like that, and that roof is uh, resting on the top plate of the exterior wall, and you take the ceiling joists away, those serve the purpose of tying those exterior walls into the rest of the house. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it, but you just can't do it without somehow replacing that uh, structural element. I would recommend that you not do this yourself that you get help from an architect to design this because it's a little more complicated than what you might think. It's easy to cut stuff away. It's not so easy to put it back together in the right way. And when it comes to this kind of modification, it's got to be done just right. There's other issues too. Now you're going to, you're going to have to make sure that this cathedral ceiling is properly ventilated and properly insulated. And that's going to take some work. Otherwise, 
you're going to add a uh, an energy leaking hassle to uh, to your home that that won't bode well. And you might want to think about adding some additional lighting, like uh, like a skylight or something of that nature. So it's a project that can be done, but it's a little more complicated than meets the eye. I would get some professional design help on this, uh, not and not just uh, get out the old sawzall and cut start cutting things out. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, good advice. All right, Ralph. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Well, the spring real estate market is well underway and more urban dwellers than ever are heading to the suburbs. They're looking for space and tranquility. So if you're ready to sell your home, we've got four easy projects from the experts at riverbendhome.com that you can do in a weekend to boost the curb appeal and land a buyer quicker than the competition. First of all, start at your driveway. You want to make sure that your address stands out for potential buyers touring your street. Maybe get a new mailbox. Riverbendhome.com featured dozens of decorative mailbox post designs with many ornate posts made from high-quality polyethylene, which isn't going to rot and it will need very little maintenance. You can add some colorful flowers around the base to deliver an amazing first impression. Now, speaking of color, you can also create color with window boxes and planters. These can really make your home pop and are easy to add and to maintain. So check out the line of Maine's planters at riverbendhome.com. You'll find window boxes and planters for porches or deck railings and a wide selection of low-maintenance containers for flowers and trees that can dress up your doorway with durable, low-maintenance style. And next, if you want to make one simple improvement that can dress up your curb appeal and your safety at the same time, you can add a bold, beautiful set of house numbers. Not only does it make your home stand out, it assures emergency services could find your home fast if the need arises. Lastly, step up your landscape lighting. Adding low-voltage landscape lighting is a project that you can do yourself to create a warm, inviting first impression to your home, and you want to make sure that your walkways, steps, and porch are safely lit for visitors. Now, you can complete your curb appeal updates with a new porch swing or a rocker to create an inviting entryway. If you want some more tips to spruce up your curb appeal, unique finds for the inspired home, and everything that you need to create your outdoor oasis, visit riverbendhome.com. And now through May 31st, you can save 15% on your order of $150 or more by using the code MONEYPIT15 at checkout. That's MONEYPIT15. Michelle in Alabama, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Okay, well, we live in a home that was built in the early 70s. And two of the bedrooms, we are having like a mold issue, and it's just above the baseboards. And I've actually cut into the sheetrock thinking that maybe it's some moisture from the outside coming through, but it's not. There's no mold um, inside. It's just like in the room, and I I don't know what's causing it or how to even fix it. And are you certain that it's mold? Have you had it tested? Well, yeah, it's um, it's like a we had a piece of furniture there, a, a dresser there, and we moved it, and we were like totally shocked that there was like it was black and fuzzy. It was no, you know, it was mold. So if you had this furniture against the wall, you you probably created sort of a a, 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 a chilly, damp area there. Moving the furniture out probably helps because you get a little more ventilation behind it. But what I would do is I would spray that mold down with a bleach and water solution so that we kill anything that's there. Protect the carpet because obviously you don't want to bleach out your carpet. But spray it down. Let the bleach and water sit for a while, maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then clean it. And that will stop uh, That will stop any further mold from growing and just try to keep that area dry if it's very damp and it's in and you know if the furniture was pressed up against it that might be why 
it's happening. What kind of furniture was against it? Um, it was um, really like a child's dresser. Okay, so it was like wood. It wasn't like a couch or something like that? No, it was wood, yeah. yeah so take a look at the back of that, too, and make sure if there's any mold spores on that that they're cleaned as well. All right, thanks for your help. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. All right, now we've got David on the line. Welcome to the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Well, my wife and I are in the process of building a new house. We're six months into this project, so our, uh, we're ready to finish our basement floor. And we're not sure whether we should use floor paint or if we should go with the epoxy paint. All right, now what's your wife's name? Sharon. Sharon, are you listening into this? I am, sir. All right, now what's your take on this? Because we figure there's a, there's a bet involved here. Well, originally we were looking at... Uh, polished concrete, but I went to look at some and I was told that you have to redo the polish every so often, and I would like something that I don't have to do every so often. Anytime you put any kind of finish on concrete, you're going to have to redo it from time to time. So no matter which way we go with polished concrete uh, or with paint, you're going to have to redo it. But Leslie, I'm thinking that this is a situation where Sharon and David may want to try an acid staining. Well, we considered the acid stain, and that was something that we kind of ruled out. Okay, why was that? The reason being because of the smell. Why do you want to paint it? Why don't you do something like a laminate that can basically sit on top of the concrete if it's really finished space? It's radiant heat floor, and we were told that the best thing to do would not be to cover it with anything. No, I think you could put laminate flooring on that. Since you, since it's really finished living space, I mean, when you say concrete floor, I'm thinking basement, but this is really finished space, so you want something that's going to be warmer. So I think laminate might be a good choice for, for you. Laminate basically locks together and sits on top of the concrete, and the radiant heat will transmit up through that laminate and still warm the floor. I would take a look at laminate because it can look like pretty much anything. You can get laminate that looks like hardwood floor, any variety of hardwood floor, new floor, old floor, aged floor, bamboo floor, all kinds of crazy species of wood. You can also get all kinds of spe- all types of stone floor looks or even something that looks like tile or looks like vinyl. It's all available today in laminate, super durable stuff and easy to install. I think that's your solution. Will that keep the marriage going? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> David and Sharon, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you've ever had a major storm hit your house, you know that a home, which is generally safe and sound and secure, even dry, can quickly turn into a leaking mess. That's right. And it's especially true when the wind gets behind all that water and the rules of gravity no longer apply. I mean, upside down rain is not uncommon when it hits your roof, bounces off, pushes up under the siding. It's a real mess. And that's why after that storm passes, it's really important to give the house a careful inspection. Yeah. Now, I think, Tom, obvious damage from a storm like a broken window, that stuff is really easy to spot. But if you're not looking closely, little problems could be missed. And then those are the problems that develop into big repair bills later, right? Absolutely. Like wind and water can combine to do a lot of structural and mechanical damage to your house, as well as lead to stuff like mold related problems. So quick action is really key here. So here's a few things to look for. First of all, wind damage. High winds can rip through that outer skin of your house and cause damage. So during your inspection, you want to make sure you're examining every side of your house from the ground up. You want to check for loose siding, loose metal trim, loose soffits, pieces that have blown off. Now, if these areas are too hard for you to see, get a pair of binoculars 
and use those. Don't go up on the roof. We don't want you to do anything dangerous. But you can see a lot with a pair of binoculars or even a digital camera with a zoom lens. Look carefully at those surfaces to see if anything looks like it's amiss. Next, you want to take a look at the foundation because when you have a lot of water that accumulates around the house, the foundations can become weak. So look very carefully for any new cracking, new bulging, new settling. And then make sure you check it again in a few weeks because sometimes soil takes that much time to settle and the damage can show up a little bit later. Now, if you've had any flooding, especially anything that's covering electrical components like outlets or appliances or, or, or uh, switches, that has to be replaced. Any wire that's gotten wet has to be replaced because contaminants in the water can cause some pretty serious damage to sensitive electrical components and lead to overheating. Likewise, if your basement's been flooded, uh, that's a concern, but it's not one that you should panic over. A lot of folks will panic because their basement flooded in a severe storm. No, that's just the rain and the water accumulation around the foundation. So you don't have to hire a waterproofer. You just got to clean your gutters and extend those downspouts, and it's not likely to happen again. And when it comes to cleaning up that mess, Make sure you use a disinfectant because you don't know what was floating around. There's plenty of environmentally sensitive options out there. So make sure you disinfect everything that may have been affected by flood water. All right. That's super smart. Now, say you find some damage and you want to file an insurance claim. Do you have to wait until that insurance adjuster gets there to start cleaning up? Or are there steps you can take in advance of that person arriving? Yeah, great question. You, you don't have to wait for the adjuster to get there to start cleaning up. You don't want to make permanent repairs or major repairs until you have an agreement in place with your insurance company. But certainly any repairs that are necessary to prevent further damage should be done, like covering a broken window or covering a leaking roof that's had the shingles torn off. Do all that. Take pictures before you get started. Take pictures after you're done. Keep all your receipts, uh, and then you can work that out with the insurance adjuster. And speaking of which, when the insurance adjuster comes out, if you're unhappy with the settlement that they offer you, you don't have to take it. Don't feel like you're forced to. You have the option always to hire a private or what's called a public insurance adjuster. Uh, These guys work for you, and they work usually on a percentage of the claim, and they're basically trained to find every single thing that needs to be done to set your house whole again, I mean, down to the coats of paint, and they won't miss it. They'll write up those estimates, and then you're simply based on that. And very often, the insurance adjusters uh, that are public and they work for you can get you a better settlement than those that work for the insurance companies themselves. Darlene in Arkansas, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Well, we heat our house with wood, and our fireplace bricks are real cream, light cream colored, and they're very roughly textured. Uh, my question is, the soot, you know, above the fireplace doors, uh, soot gets in the brick and embedded in there, and I've tried to scrub it out with everything I can think of other than muriatic acid, and I know I can't use that in the house. Do you have any suggestions? Have you tried TSP, which stands for trisodium phosphate, and it's sort of like a cleaning prep step when you've got, you know, some some really sticky stuff that won't come off? Yeah, uh, I think I did some time back, but maybe I should use a stronger uh, solution instead of, you know, it, it says not to use it the way it comes out of the bottle. Well, what you can do with TSP is it, it comes in a powder format, and it's um, available in the clean, well, in the painting aisle generally of the home stores. Uh-huh. And um, I would just mix it up so that it's more of a paste than a liquid and apply it that way and let it sit there and give it some time to do its job. All right. That sounds great.
Randy in Illinois is on the line with a kitchen cabinet question. How can we help you today? Uh, yeah, I recently purchased a home, and it had some uh, all-wood cabinets in the kitchen. And uh, they're half bisque color, and they're half of a whiter color, uh, depending on which part of the cabinet you look at. And I'm trying to figure out how, a way to get them back to uh, either all one color or the lighter version. What's the material that your cabinets are made out of? I believe it's oak, but it could be pine. Well, assuming that the oak is, is finished, one of the issues that you're going to have is that you can't really stain it and change the color. So you'd have to either paint it or you'd have to sand it down. Since most of those cabinets are covered with veneer, it makes it also difficult for you to be able to sand enough of that finish off to have it accept stain. So your resulting options would be to reface the cabinets, which is adding new veneer to it, or to paint the cabinets to get that consistent look. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. I'll do that. Thank you very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Well, as we moved our furniture out to the front porch this weekend, I noticed that one of the columns looked a little caved in along the bottom. And sure enough, I grabbed it with my hand and pulled off a chunk of wet, rotted, disgusting wood. Now, in the past, I'd have fixed this by removing all the rotted wood and sort of replacing that wood and rebuilding the whole thing. But instead, uh, this time I used a set of products from Abitron that really helped me avoid that hassle. Yeah, now I've used Abitron's Wood Restoration System too, which really consists of two products, liquid wood and wood epox. Now the liquid wood is an epoxy-based wood hardener, and it basically consolidates and pulls together all of that weak, deteriorated wood and then restores that wood strength. Now, if the rot is so bad that you're actually missing sections of the wood, you can use wood epox, which is a lightweight epoxy wood filler. Then you can patch, fill, and rebuild the sections of the wood that you're missing. Yeah, so a big advantage here is that with both these products, you can make very cost-effective repairs to your windows or doors or columns and really any other wood around your house without the expense of replacing it. They're structural, they're not going to shrink, they're DIY-friendly, and they really do give you professional results. You'll find Abitron's Wood Restoration System at Ace, True Value, Benjamin Moore Paint, and other retailers, or you can buy it online at abitron.com. That's A-B-A-T-R-O-N.com. Bob in Tennessee, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a friend who has a house with a metal roof on it. His cell service is pretty severely impacted every time somebody tries to call him on his cell phone when he's inside his house. First off, your cell is probably always, very frequently, I should say, inside buildings that have metal roofs. I mean, think about your church, your post office, uh, your bank, you know, restaurants. There's a lot of metal roofs out there. And if, if he's having a problem just in his own house, I would suspect that the signal is weak to begin with. And I think the solution is a little device called a cell phone booster. You know, a booster can be basically plugged in, into the house, uh, inside of the house, and it can like double or triple the range of the phone. So if, if, if I was having that issue, I would just get a cell phone booster, install it in my house. It's not a very expensive piece of equipment and, and solve my problem once and for all. Okay, interesting. But I just, I just wondered about that. Alex wants to know the best way to determine and locate a pipe that's leaking under the concrete slab foundation of his home. Now, he says, over the past several months, our water bill has increased mid-100s for two months to over $400. I also can faintly hear the sound of water running when I'm in our guest bath. Is there a service that can detect and help locate such a leak? 
Yeah, well, first of all, Alex, I am not convinced that a leak is occurring underneath the slab of your home. But I will kind of walk you through how you can prove this for yourself. To do this, what you need to do is turn off all of the water fixtures and faucets inside the house. And especially turn off the water supply valves that are feeding the toilets. Don't just not flush the toilets, but turn the water valves off behind them. Because my guess is that your problem is a leaking flush valve. And that's probably what you're hearing when you're in that bathroom. A little tiny bit of water leaks under that valve 24-7. That ends up being hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water that leaks. And it's a common issue. and It's an easy fix. But once you've got that all turned off, you want to find your water meter and note exactly what it says. And note the time you took that reading. So the digits are going to be on the meter. Write it down. Then do something out of the house for a few hours. Or you can run the test overnight, but don't use any water while it's happening. you got to leave it all off. Now, after a few hours, go back and look at that meter again. See if it changed. If it changed and you weren't running anything and you did everything I said and turned it all off, then, yeah, maybe you got a pipe leak somewhere, but I don't think it will. I think what you're going to find is that your leaks are probably in your toilets. Now, to prove that, what you could do is you could take some food coloring, open up the toilet tank, and drop some food coloring in that water. Close it back up, wait 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and then look in the bowl. I bet you're going to see that food coloring end up in the bowl. And the only way that's happening, my friend, is if those flush valves are leaking. So check your toilets. You can go through that procedure to uh, use the meter to see if you've got a leak, but I think you're going to find that those toilets are the problem, and that's an easy fix. Very inexpensive job for a plumber to do. All right, next up, Mark is having a drainage problem, and he says, our house is roughly 30 years old, and the area between our driveway and foundation has settled probably four to six inches. I'm concerned about water and pooling and putting constant stress on the foundation. Yeah, that's a fair concern, and settlement around those areas is not unusual. Of course, if you have the opportunity to uh, restore, add more grade there, you can't just do it with gravel. you got to take the gravel out and then add soil to slope it away, and you may be able to do that, and that will solve the whole problem. But if you can't, I'll tell you a way to put in a drain underneath that. There's a product called Easy Drain, which is kind of like a curtain drain. It's a tube that's about uh, roughly six inches wide. It's surrounded by what looks like a sort of styrofoam aggregate, like a, like a packing peanut and then a filter cloth. And you lay that under the soil and then the water that collects there runs into the easy drain and then runs out the other end. So one of two ways, either by regrading or by installing that curtain drain, you can solve this for good. All right, good point. And then you can definitely relax about the state of your foundation. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We hope that we've been able to help you take on some projects, get some ideas, some inspiration for stuff you'd like to get done around your house. If you've got questions that we couldn't get to, we apologize. You can shoot those to us at moneypit.com. Just post them to the website or call us anytime at 1-888-MONEYPIT. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Live in a body pit.